0: You'll find in the pews there are some offering envelopes for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. It goes for North American missions. It goes to touch the lives of people in inner city, in rural areas, all across our country, all across North America, Canada, and the U.S. And so as you give, you're giving to support missions and missionaries in all those places. That God is calling them and sending them. Well, this is the last of the sermons on the spiritual gifts. And some of you are probably glad we got to the end of this, and uh, but it takes takes a while to explain about all of these. And today we're talking about the spiritual gift of giving. And as we talk about the gift of giving, it's an unusual gift. Uh, and not too many people have the gift of giving. But it's a gift that really is foundational for the Christian life. Because unless we learn to give our life, first of all, to the Lord Jesus, give it to him, and trust him with it, we're never going to be saved. And if we don't learn to give out of the resources that he provides for us, we'll never experience all the wonders of what he wants to do in us and through us. So giving is foundational. In Malachi 3, 6-12, you find these words. If The Lord does not change. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe," says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Well, some people in church get nervous anytime the pastors are going to talk about giving. Anybody feel nervous this morning about that? <laughs> it's okay uh, at was a time in my life, as I was beginning my Christian walk, that I got nervous when they talked about giving, because I, I had a sort of a selfish nature. I wanted to hold on to what I got, but praise the Lord, God taught me to move beyond that. <clears throat> For that reason, some preachers don't preach about giving, but the Bible has an awful lot to say about giving. It has more to say than you can imagine. Good people are giving people. And giving people are good people. But good people who give and giving people who are good do not necessarily have the spiritual gift of giving. It is a special gift that God gives to a few people in the church. And it's a gift that is given so that God can bless people who are hurting people who are going through really difficult times. And it's a gift that blesses the church when there special times, special needs within the body of Christ. People with the gift of giving step up and they help make resources available for the church and for people to be able to do what they need to do. <clears throat> From childhood, uh, you've always heard expressions like, well, so-and-so was really a giving person. Or you hear something like my dad used to say about some of his friends. He would say, well, he is the kind of person that would give you the shirt off of his back. Those are expressions about people who are giving. And they may give and they may help meet needs, but they may not have the spiritual gift of giving. And so we look at that today and, and uh, talk about that. Many people give freely out in the world. They have resources and they give free, but they may not have the spiritual gift and they may not even be Christian. They just are good people who give. On the other hand, there are many people that have the gift of giving who like to do things behind the scenes. They don't like for it to be known. They don't like for it to be acknowledged. They just want it to be done quietly behind the scenes to, to meet needs. So what then is this spiritual gift of giving and how is it exercised? To whom does God give it? He gives it to whoever he wants to. And what is my responsibility in regard to this gift as I seek to be whole in Christ? Well, as I've shared with you, Jesus exemplified all of the seven gifts perfectly. And he showed us examples of all the gifts. And without him giving sharing his life on the cross, we wouldn't be gathering here today. He taught us about giving to the point of giving his whole life. And so we talk about that. And our responsibility is that no matter what our gift is, any one of the seven, we ought to be growing in Christ so that each of the gifts is being expressed more and more through our lives. So giving is a foundational gift and unless we are broken in our hearts and our spirits to learn how to give to the Lord and to give to those who hurt and need, give to God's work, then we will never be what God wants us to be. Look at the big biblical background. The Greek word metadidomai, it means to give, to share, or impart to another. To give or share or impart to another. Didyma means to give as in seed yielding its fruit, a normal natural process. Giving should be a normal natural process. And as we are filled with God's Spirit and as we grow in the Spirit, giving ought to come. Sometimes God has to break us to get us to a point where we do that. And meta means sharing the fruit of one's life with another person. Think about it. Jesus shared the fruit of his life, his very life on the cross for you and for me. Paul went out as a missionary, and he went and he did his tent making in order to not be a burden to those places that he went to, the churches he went to. And many times as he would write back to them, he would explain that he gave out of his life, he gave his life to them, loving them and caring for them. So Luke 3.11 says <clears throat> from Jesus, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. This has to do with sharing material things. Here it talked about if you've got two shirts and you see somebody that doesn't have a shirt, give it to them. If you see somebody hungry and you've got food, give it to them. It ought to be a normal, natural response of those who belong to Christ and those who have been saved by the Heavenly Father. Romans 1.11 says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. This is Paul speaking, and he wants to impart to them, he wants to give to them the truth, the Spirit of God that he has received, he wants to share with them and impart to them and give it to them. And it has to do with spiritual blessings. In Ephesians 4.8, it says about Jesus, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. This has to do with the sharing of the fruit of a person's life. Jesus sharing the fruit of his life. And he shared that spiritual fruit with us that we could be born again. But not just be born again and be a babe in Christ, but to grow up in all the fullness and maturity that God has for us. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of our God, but our lives as well. Our lives ought to be such that we don't just share the gospel with somebody. We come alongside of them, we encourage them, we lift them up, we try to build them up, we teach them how to become all that they can be in Christ Jesus. So the gospel is something that we ought to be ready to share at any point. The gospel is a message that can change lives. I'm going to be talking to the young people after church this morning downstairs, And using my Olympic pin uh, vest and pins that I share at the Olympics. And when we were at the Olympics in Pyeongchang in South Korea in 2018, we had a team of university students from the BSUs, Baptist Student Unions across Korea. And many of them had never shared their faith. And we did training with them. We taught them how to share their faith, and a number of us from the U.S. then went and showed them how to share the gospel. We had 75 people that received Christ by us sharing the gospel. But we encouraged those students, and we tried to pour into them our lives and our understanding of the value and the importance of sharing your faith. And they received it. And by the end of the Olympics... It was fun to step back and watch them. I took off my pen vest, which does attract people. There's no question about it. And I gave it to one of the students to wear for a few hours. And he led two people to the Lord. And I watched and gave praise and thanksgiving to God that he caught it, that he got it, and he was able to do that. So the definition of the... Spiritual giving gift is that it's a spiritual motivation to share one's life assets or the fruit of one's life to help people in need and for the furtherance of the ministry in a wise way that encourages others. That's a long definition, but you'll see as we go through the characteristics that you'll see that that definition fits very well. Let's look at the characteristics of a person with the gift of giving. They have an ability to make wise purchases and make wise investments in order to give money back to God's work. There are people that have a knack for making money. Some of them are Christian and some of them are not. But a person with the spiritual gift of giving will... Be gifted enough to know when to make investments and make wise investments that make money. They will learn to do things that allows God to bless them. And the reason that happens is that God has given to them the gift of giving. And when there are times of need, they have the resources then to help meet that need. And so God raises up in each church some that has the gift of giving. He has a desire to give quietly to effective projects and ministries without any public notice. They don't want their name to be put in the church bulletin that they gave $30,000 or $10,000 or whatever it might be. They don't want people to know that they're giving it to the Lord, to his work. And they do it quietly behind the scenes. And only those who count the money know that it's been done. They find great joy in giving of their resources, especially to meet spiritual needs. They want to help people who are hurting, but there are so many people out there that are hurting, you'd give everything you had away real quickly. But they want to give to things that make spiritual difference to the church, to God's work, but they want to be sure that it's being used in an effective and efficient way. And they are delighted to look back back and thank God that he has blessed them in order that they can be a blessing to other people and to God's work. They delight in discovering that their giving is an answer to somebody's prayer. People are praying, have a need, and if he gives a resource that helps meet that need and he finds out about it, It just delights his heart. He gives praise to God. Thank you, God, that you led me to be a blessing to this person. The person will probably never know that they were the ones that gave the money to meet the need. So they delight in discovering that. They prefer to give without the pressure of appeals. At First Baptist Atlanta, when I was there, we purchased about 10 acres of land. The Capital Cadillac automobile dealership adjoined the church property. And we had six weeks to raise $2.85 million, which would be like $25, $30 million today. In today's money, this was in 1981. And it was one of the most amazing spiritual times I've ever been through. The Spirit of God was upon people And people gave out of the resources that they had. It was such a moving time. The last week that we had, we came together every night of the week for two hours of just praise, singing, and worship, and testimonies. People were bringing deeds to their properties that they had, bringing boats and guns and coin collections, you name it. They were giving it. Diamonds, rings, all kinds of things. But the person that has a spiritual gift of giving, when that's going on, doesn't want to be known for what they're doing. Our standing and I had a gentleman call and ask if he could meet with us, and that he wanted to make a gift to that process. Well, lo and behold, I had never seen him. Dr. Tanner had never seen him, but he had been visiting for several months, and he came, and he handed us a check for $500,000. That's the largest gift I have ever experienced seeing in my lifetime. And then we went on, and he didn't want any acknowledgement. We didn't say anything to anybody. And when we got to the end... He called and came back again, and he gave him another half million dollars. And he said that's what God had motivated him to do to help us to be able to reach the goal that we were reaching. They have a a desire to use their giving as a way of motivating others to give. And as we would announce how much had been given in a week's time, we only started doing it 11 days ahead of the due date. We had planted seeds, but we didn't start collecting funds until then. But as we would announce what was happening, people got excited about what God was doing. And they wanted to see God praised and honored through the giving. And his giving helped motivate others to give. Often, the person with the gift of giving will test other people's faithfulness and their wisdom about how they handle money. They don't want a gift to a need or situation where the money is being squandered, not being spent wisely. And they will judge other people sometimes by how they handle their own money. So a person that squanders their money and everything, they will not want to support and help them. They're generally content content with the basics of life. They live life pretty frugally most of the time. You wouldn't know that they had money. At First Baptist Shambly, when I was there, we were building a new sanctuary, and we went through a pledge campaign. And one of the men came forward that just sort of shocked me, shocked people on the committee. He dressed very plainly. He and his wife lived frugally. They had just a normal house. He was the owner of a lawnmower repair shop. But he had saved and been blessed. He had made other investments with funds that he received. And he had a lot of money. Nobody knew it. And so when we had the campaign, he pledged a certain amount for three years, which added up to a lot of money. And we were all shocked. We didn't believe it. We didn't know that he had that. He was one of those that watched to see how people used the resources they had. So they, he lived frugally, but he gave liberally. He gave all that he could. And they desire to fee, be, feel a part of the ministries that they give to. They want to be a part of it. They want, want to feel that what they're doing is contributing to the success of the ministry. And when a person with the gift of gifting is married, they will often go to their wives and ask, how much do you think we ought to give? Or is this something we ought to give to? They trust the the spiritual intuition of their wives. Pretty amazing. And many times, the, the amount that they have in mind, the wife will mention that amount and just affirm it and let him know that that's what they need to do. Well, the person with the gift of giving can be misunderstood. They may appear to use their giving to put pressure on others. They like to see their giving motivate others to give, but they don't intend that to be pressure. They just want that to be a motivation. But people can misunderstand them that they're feeling pressure about it. They may appear to attempt to control a person or ministry through their giving. If someone gives even a large amount, but they put strings to it, that's not the giving that God wants. He wants it with no strings attached, giving it to him and to his work and his ministry, but not trying to control the ministry through the giving. They may be viewed as materialistic because of their frugality. People may see them living so frugally that they think they're sort of materialistic. Then dangers. Well, the first danger is that, that they may develop pride in what they're able to give. Satan seeks to undermine every way he can and if he can get them to become prideful then the testimony is not there that's there otherwise. And... They develop pride in giving in proportion to what others give. Well, look at what the other people give and look at what I'm giving. That can be a danger. They may tend to measure spiritual success by material success. That's a real danger for a person that becomes wealthy through God's blessings. And they think that just because they are wealthy in terms of material things, that they are spiritually far above other people. And so I have to guard against that. Spiritual success is not the same thing as material success. The spirit of giving is basic to the whole Christian life. That's the benefit. That's the first benefit. It's basic for you and for me. And I could tell you stories about my giving, but God had to break me and break my spirit where I began to learn how to give and to give so that I love to give. I love to be a part of God's work, and I love to have resources to help in His work. It opens the door to God's blessings. When we give individually, when we give as a church to ministries and to things that God would have us support, it opens the floodgates of heaven so that God can bring blessings to individuals and bring blessings to the church. It's a resource for meeting spiritual needs in the world. Farm missions, things outside of the church, are dear to the heart of a person with the gift of giving. They want to see spiritual needs met in places around the world. They see a video, like we saw about the Annie Armstrong offering, and they see a new church starting that scrambling to try to pay for a pastor's salary, and if they know about it, they may give a gift to help support that, to get that church going to be a blessing to them. They provide wisdom to the church and resources that would not otherwise be available. God bless them, and they in turn blessed the church, and especially at times when there are needs that go beyond the normal needs of the church. They encourage and challenge all of the people to be a giving people and to be a giving church. It's important that the church not just receive, but give out spiritual life and give out resources, financial resources, other resources to meet needs of people out there in the world. It helps us to keep our priority and our focus on the Lord and his kingdom. Our focus can get off base at times if we're not careful. Our focus can move to what we see down here on this earth rather than the kingdom of God. And we have to keep it in focus. Well, to fail to use and develop the gift of giving has some serious consequences. It's something that God wants us to do, to all give. And we might rob God in our tithes. People ask many times, well, with my salary, do I tithe on the gross amount or do I tithe on the net amount that I actually receive? Anybody ever sort of ask that question of themselves? And the answer is, well, how much do you want to be blessed? Do you want to tithe on the whole amount and get a blessing Based upon that, or do you want to be skimpy and stingy and tithe on the net? God blesses in regard to how we give. We might bring God's curse upon us. He says that the devourer can come. And I tell you this story that I look back on and I laugh about it. But I prayed as my daughters got ready to go to college, uh, you know, and sorry for pastors and ministers and special ministers of youth don't always make a lot of money and can't save. And I had two girls getting ready to go to college. And we had bought a 1982 Buick station wagon. And I began to pray, Lord, this car's got to last a long time. I got four years of college. One year in between, and then four more years of college, that's got to last. I prayed over our washing machine, our dryer, everything about our house, and prayed, Lord, don't let the devourer come and break all this stuff. I need it to last till my daughters get through college. And guess what happened? I was on the way to with the U-Haul pulling it with the Buick station wagon, Down to Auburn University, where my oldest daughter, I mean, youngest daughter, was moving out of the dorm. And the car began to sputter some on the way down there. It's about 130 miles. We loaded up the trail, and when I cranked it back up, it was skipping and not doing so well. And I made it back on I 85, 130 miles, sometimes doing 25 miles an hour downhill, and sometimes doing 20. And on the interstate, that's dangerous, especially if you're pulling in a trailer. So I just prayed, Lord, get me home. And when I pulled in front of the house, I didn't have to turn it off. It died right in front of the house. I began to think, well, Lord, I prayed for it to last until they graduated. And it did. In a few days, the dryer went out. Two or three days later, the washing machine broke. A few days later, the spring on the garage door broke. Things that we have can last a long time with God's blessing, or they can break very quickly. So be sure that you pray for what you want, because you may get what you asked for, and I got what I asked for. All of it lasted until the daughters were out of college. God will not make us fruitful. Malachi 3.11. Do you want to be fruitful with your life? Then learn to give. To whom much is given, much is required. We are a blessed people. We are blessed. We're blessed, first of all, spiritually, but we're also blessed materially. When you go and see people in other countries and the needs that are there, we realize how much we're blessed. And the Scripture teaches that we... Give, and it will be given unto us. Press down. Overflowing. And that's where we stand as God's people, God's church. The church here has been blessed financially. Able to do most everything it wants to do and needs to do. And that happens only because the people you are giving. And so thank you from the Lord. I thank you from my heart for you being a giving people. God loves those who give because he first gave to us. Let's pray.